Welcome to the Talk and Chatter Experience, powered by Gasoline Alley Harley Davidson and M33 Productions. For all your photo and video requirements, get in touch with us today. My special guest for this week's show is 2021 Australian Supersport Champion Brock Pearson. Brock's journey of winning eight junior dirt track titles to a near career ending accident in 2017 and obviously becoming the 2021 Supersport Champion is a truly inspirational one. I hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did. If you get the chance, head over to our YouTube and hit subscribe. Welcome, Brock Pearson. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. 2021 Australian Supersport Champion. How does it feel, mate? Yeah, it's been pretty good. Like, it's actually um, because the championship ran quite late. Like, obviously, we're going into this season quite fast. And, you know, I've had to turn my focus pretty quick into um, adapting to the superbike and getting some training in. So, uh, yeah, look, it's great. And I've sort of... um, you know, aimed for that for a couple of years from my injuries and I'm really proud that I could sort of pull that off last year. Mate, it's a, it's a massive achievement and you've been on the on the cusp of that for a few years too. Um, yep. Must feel pretty rewarding, yeah? Yeah, because really my first full season that I got under my belt in 600s where I didn't have an injury, I come runner up. Um, and then, yeah, last, oh, sorry, two years ago in 2020, 2020 yep. um, obviously we had that first COVID year and we only had one round at the start and the end. And at the beginning of the year, I was injured from some rods that I got taken out of my femurs. So I had a horrible first round. And then I actually went on to win the the last round of the championship, but because I'd had such a bad beginning, I finished fourth in the championship, you know, so that was a bit of a setback. But yeah, I pulled it together last year, put it all, all the pieces together. So that was the... Um World Superbike Opener, wasn't it? Correct. So yeah. World Superbike Opener. Where, where did it finish that year? Was that um, was it Taylor Bender as well? No, it went to Wakefield. So we raced right. in February, I believe, or March. Oh, yeah, February. And Last then we weekend. went yep. all the way down to December before we even raced again. So, yeah, I had my femurs, um, my rods taken out of my femurs in January. And then I couldn't really walk in February, but I thought it's okay. I've got to get my one round in, then I can sort of start ticking away through the year. And we just didn't get time to do that. So when you got two rounds of a championship, yep. pretty much, there it goes. Yeah, it was like uh, that was such a strange one. That mm. was a real weird one because, like, what happened was that's probably that race meeting that weekend was the last race meeting for anyone in the world. Yeah, basically at that time, you know. Yeah, so it was crazy. World Superbike happened, and then the world basically stopped. stopped. You know, so that's a yeah. pretty weird one to sort of start with. So, who's Brock Pearson? Um, well, I am 21 years old. I'm obviously based in Gold Coast. I've been racing motorbikes all my life. I started through the you know the tracks of dirt track. And uh, yeah, recently went into road racing probably six years ago now. So I've had quite quite the path to get to where I am now. But you know, it's 2022, and I'm lining up on a superbike. So I've had you know a bit of a, a bit of a good run so far. Mate, that's that's going to be an awesome experience. Hey, like I, I know you had a uh, outing on Troy's CBR yes. last year. Yes. Then you had an outing on an R1 as well, yes. which you'll be racing this year. How how did it feel when you first got onto those? Uh, yeah, when I first got onto it, it was quite. Um, it was crazy to understand how much more acceleration they have. That's the big turning point. They're obviously a little bit heavier, but you don't really pick up on that too much because obviously when you're carrying a bit of speed, the weight sort of lightens. But um, it took me a little bit to get used to it, and I've had a bit of a you know wake-up call with the amount of crashes I've had on it and just sort of trying to push and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, I had that R1 outing at Morgan Park, and that's the bike I'm racing this year. And I thought I did pretty well considering, you know, it was my first proper weekend on the bike and that sort of thing, and it was still relatively standard but because ollie and jonesy were there and they were sort of you know going as fast as anyone ever had it was a difficult weekend to get straight into it and um you know try and get out and track because really i didn't let it come to me i sort of tried to rush things because you know as a race you always want to try and do your best to you know keep up with the people in front and yeah i had a couple crashes that weekend but i think this year is going to be quite good just based off of what we showed so early 
mate, that, I, I did the commentary for that round. Yes. And um, with Scotty at the time and um, it was a pretty cool outing to watch actually. So obviously, yeah. as you mentioned, Ollie and um, Mike, mm. they're on a cracking pace. Mm. If ASBK came there at that time of the year, that would have been a huge pace to have. Absolutely. I think those two boys would have been on for like race winning pace. So, yep. um, yeah, I believe that would have been the pace at ASBK and to sort of see where I was at, like I struggled a little bit in the races actually to get through the couple guys in the beginning of the races because I was struggling to get off the line. Um, but like my lap pace when I would, you know, get some clear track, you know, maybe I was two to three tenths slower than Ollie and Mike a lap, maybe maybe a little bit more, but give or take. And that's not too far away considering, you know, the, the package and, and the first weekend sort of thing. So that was a relatively stock R1? Yeah, absolutely. So I had no motor work and, you know, we were lacking some uh, suspension on the front. Um, it just had sort of, it didn't have the standard cartridge, obviously, but it didn't have the top of the range cartridge either. Yep. Um, and yeah, just just a bunch of other things, you know, still had standard harness on it um, and a few other things. So look, it wasn't standard, but it also wasn't race ready. Yeah. Okay. And that makes, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And just seeing you trying to launch it, mm. now you've refreshed my memory and things yes. like that, that, that must be difficult getting straight onto that race start first time. Yeah. On that bike, you know? yeah, it was. And, you know, like I wasn't getting off the line very well. And, um, you know, I was alongside obviously Ollie and Mike and those Ducatis get off the line very well. And uh, Corey Turner and uh, Wagner are also very good starters. Mm. So, you know, they were getting off the line better than me. And I had to get through those guys to try and move towards the front. And, you know, and Wagner for one is a very hard guy to, guy to pass on the brakes. He's very yeah. strong. Um and so is Corey, you know, so getting through those guys, you know, it's my first week on a 600 and then I'm having to put some big passes on some fast guys just to get through. Like it was a little bit overwhelming at times to try yep. and, you know, then run with those Ducati boys and, and that. And I didn't really give myself that time to, you know, just let it come to me. But all in all, like I'm, you know, that weekend went the way it probably I wanted it to anyways. It gave me a bit of a, you know, realistic where I'm at and that sort of thing. For sure. And strength wise, how, um, how'd that feel straight away? Yeah, not bad actually, because obviously I carry a taller build. Um, yep. It does help a little bit on the bigger bikes and that sort of thing. And I'm probably in the best condition I have been um, in in a few years. So yeah, strength wise, I think I'm pretty good, and my fitness is all right. It's more just bike fitness. You know, you can okay. be as fit as you want to be, but if you don't have a bike fitness, yep. it, you know, you lack that. So I, I lack the seat time on that bike, and 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 in regards to that, then I struggled a little bit with my fitness on the bike. But that'll come with the more laps I do. For sure, for sure. Tell us about the journey to get here. Like obviously dirt track, Gold Coast, Hatches? Yes. So Hatches growing up, um, what was it, eight titles? Yes. Huge, mate. Yeah, so I, I had a really good run while I was in flat track. And to be completely honest, I, I wanted to become, when I first started riding, I loved watching motocross. Um, and that was sort of what I wanted to take. But yeah, so I obviously did a lot of flat track for about um, between the age of four, I probably started and finished up around 12, 13. And uh, yeah, in that time, like you mentioned, I won eight, eight Australian championships and it was pretty full on. Like, you know, it was racing every week and it was like soccer events, you know, like, yep. you know, you're riding Saturday, Sunday, traveling to Brisbane, Gold Coast, then you go on to Sydney, like it's very full on. Mm. Um, and yeah, that was really enjoyable. And then I tried to go motocross and I was okay at it, but I was, I was not good enough. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so I sort of turned and went, okay, that's, that's not my, that's not my direction. And um, yeah, I tried Speedway and just didn't really enjoy it and then I gave road racing a go and to be honest I was no good at it to begin with either but I really enjoyed it yep. so I thought you know maybe I'll start heading down this direction and it was only probably eight months then before I ended up in Asia racing so it was pretty fast you know it happened Damn. pretty quick yeah yeah that's a that's a very fast track in that for 
you know, come straight from, you know, dirt track and everything. That's pretty pretty much jumped straight into it. Yeah, like it, it did happen quick, but I was doing a lot of riding at that time. You know, I was still at school and that's so why I was getting early days to go riding and, and that yep. sort of thing. And yeah, when I ended up landing in Asia, I also was a bit behind, but it's like anything, you know, you learn quite fast if, yep. if you're a natural to it and then you start to build up speed. So yeah, I had a slow start in the beginning in Asia, but... I think, you know, when I started in Asia, maybe I was like mm, between the 15th and 20th place guy and then I won the last race of the year. So I, I had a pretty good, you know, progress through the season. Yep. How, how did, like where did it start on, on the flat track? Or is it, we, did you start right at Peewees or did you yeah. KXs or whatever? Yeah, yeah. so like um, I have shocking memory, but I, I know from just my knowledge that I actually started on a, on a Peewee out at like the back of Movie World. There used to be an ov- uh, like an oval section over there where my yep. dad used to take me. Um, started over there on some training wheels and uh, yeah, my dad was into motocross as well. So that was uh-huh. why I sort of wanted to go to motocross and that sort of things. But he thought he'd put me into flat track first because it was a bit safer and that sort of thing, which it, which it definitely is. Yep. Um, and yeah, so I started down there and then uh, went to my catches by the age of four and that's how that sort of took off, yeah. Mate, that that is a club that's like grown champions, hey? Like yeah, if you look at the ranks, it's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah, it's so surprising, you know, they, you know, they, um, I think they hold themselves to the track of champions or something like they got to something like that. Mm. But you know they really pull it off because there are some guys that have that have raced there in the past, yep. um, and you know have gone on to win world championships. And that's you know that's not an everyday club that you know just based near a, you know like a shopping centre like Harbour Harbour Town and Gold yeah. Coast that can produce that many you know champions. So it's pretty impressive. Absolutely, and like it it literally is. It's in the hub of shopping and yes, industrial it, you know yeah, it's not it something that's just some iconic place out in the bush no. it's um yeah it's a pretty special place really it is still going eh? yeah it yeah. is so i still try well i was riding there a little bit last year i did a i did a practice day there i think with her he took his bike down we went for a run mm-hmm. um and yeah i try and go there as much like i was doing some coaching down there for a little bit but like you know it's very hard to juggle up racing work then get to a local club and i haven't been there in a while just based off of time but um yeah it's still operating i think it's still going very well it's good because i know for a while there there was issues with the typical issues of having a track in Mm. an area and um They've seemed to rectify it, and they're still. I believe they're still running junior events and everything like that. There a bit more, you know. Yeah, I think they've still got some issues that they're trying to band aid, but like, it's so difficult. Like we yep. said, they're in the heart of like the Gold Coast, and people are always going to react to a bunch of noise. So, yep. but I think they're doing their best to monitor it, and as long as they can keep doing that, it should keep running. It's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. So, junior titles. Um, did it start on the? K- KTM, I'm guessing yes. you're, you're the age group that come through for KTM 50s and that, I'm guessing. Yeah, yep. so like I started on the Division 2s and, yep. you know, like, and that's why I say it was pretty big, you know, like going down to Canberra and that when you're like, you know, six, seven years old to race Australian titles, like it's pretty full on to start it, you know, yep. and you don't really realise how natural and like, that's why I said to someone the other year, uh, the other last year when they mentioned, you know, my championship and how hard it worked that year to get there and, but it's like, you know, this is not just one year, you know, since, you know, age of five, six, you're traveling Australia, you don't really realize it, but it's like your life gets so consumed to, to just this, this, this world, you know? And, yep. uh, yeah, so I started racing those 50 cc's down in doing some, uh, my first Australian championship was down in Canberra. Um, and then, yeah, after that, I got onto 65s and 85s and then all of a sudden, you know, it was like four Australian championships a year that we were contesting at and, yeah, it was very far away. Most of them, you know, some of them like West Warralong, Townsville, Mackay. Like it's, it was, it was pretty full on. Yeah. And you go into school, like this is the, the unreal part of rocking up to school on 
probably Monday morning, yeah. Tuesday some days for the big ones. But um, it must feel weird rocking back into school after being Australian dirt track champion or something. Hey? Yeah, yeah. Look, I usually tried to like roll in pretty like low key. I, I yeah. was a little, not like shy. I'm not shy by all means. I'm probably the opposite of, opposite of shy. <laughs> but, um, you know, sometimes I just didn't like to brag about it or something like that. Yep. But my mum would always call the school let them know and half time she wouldn't tell me and then we get to like our first like uh like um school uh whatever they're called where like assembly or whatever. assembly yeah, yeah. and then i get caught up and i'm like ah crap you know yeah, it's on <laughs> it's on here you know and then so yeah that was a constant thing you know every couple of months getting up on assemblies for winning the titles and things like that but it sort of made me who i was and um you know even growing up to you know high school and that it it was kind of a good thing for people to know where i was at with my racing because then they respected my um you know, my direction and the things I wanted to do, you know, I wasn't yeah. a partier and I, I wasn't a drinker and that sort of thing. And obviously when you go through high school, people start to start to yep. turn to that and start to, you know, do a bit of that and enjoy it. Um, but my mates were really good with that sort of thing. They respected where I was at. And, you know, I had my, uh, obviously my responsibilities with racing and towards the end, I'm pretty glad it, you know, made me who I was and everyone knows me as that. And, you know, that's that. That's your identity. Yeah, correct. Built around that. Yeah. With, with with that, and I guess jumping up in front of assemblies and stuff like that, you're somebody that you, you give a lot back to your sponsors. Mm. Um, is that all you? Yeah, look, it is. Like I try, I do all my social media. You do? And I, yes, correct. I do yep. all my marketing and I try and chase all my sponsors myself and yep. do everything. I'm pretty, I'm a strong believer in, you know, going out and doing it yourself. And I believe if, um, you know, you're trying to approach someone, you should be doing it yourself because it's got to be coming from that place, you know. So, yeah, I've always tried my best to um, market myself and give back to the people that help me. It's very difficult because I actually struggle with it a little bit. I Because I deal with them all myself, you know, when people start to help out financially and support me, it's great. But then I start to build a bit of a friendship with, with the people that are helping. And then it's a yeah. bit like, you know, it's hard taking things from people that you start to look to as your friends and, mm. and that sort of thing. But you've got to look at it like a business and these people want to help because they want to help you know, try and make you succeed yep. and, and, and that's the that's the way you gotta look at it. But yeah, like it's it's very time consuming as you'd know, you know, talking to people and there's a lot of knockbacks and rejection and that sort of thing. But you just gotta keep ticking because if you don't do that, you don't yep. go racing. That's it. It, it, it doesn't uh, budgets just don't go on trees. No. Um yeah, it's such a hard thing and it's an expensive sport. Yes. And uh yeah, like I really acknowledge what, what you do with yours because you do give a lot back. I know uh, you had a couple of long-term sponsors as mm. well that you do do repeat repeat sort of things with. Yes. Like things like giveaways and this and yes. that. Like obviously, that doesn't come from just having no relationship with the sponsor either, yeah? No, absolutely. And, you know, these sort of things, I really put my foot forward, you know, even if someone, you know, I want to try and do some product giveaway. If I've got to cover it myself to do yep. the giveaway, I'll do it, you yep. know, um, because you know, putting in a little bit to give away some product is not what they give. They give a lot back more to you during the year. Mm. So I try and do my best to share that, to show that I'm appreciative and, and that sort of thing. And if it's going to help grow them and help grow me, like that's what matters. i got to try and, you know, the world revolves around now in how many numbers you get and whether that means likes, followers, viewings, that's yeah. the, the world counts on numbers. So, you know, if you can grow your numbers, then you're doing your, you're doing the best you can. That's right. You're doing your job and it it's, I had a chat with a marketing manager of, of a um, reasonably big company the, yes. other, the other week and they had somebody approach them for, for sponsorship yep. and ha, ha, come, come with a couple of titles as well, mm -hmm. and not, not in the biking world, but come with a couple of titles in their world and it was like, how many followers you got straight away was the first question. Yes. Um, but I've got, you know, I'm the best in my sport. 
sometimes it's reversed. It's reversed a lot these days, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah, it has. And that's the thing, you know, like big businesses sometimes don't even reach out to people that are related with what they're doing. You mm. know, but if they've got numbers, they can they can build up what they're doing yep. and then they've got the numbers to show for it. So yeah, it's it's a big numbers world and it's hard, you know, especially when, you know, you're trying to grow yourself and um, like me, I don't have that much of a name to myself in terms of, you know, if the random person didn't didn't know racing, they don't know me. So right. you have to try and um, do the best you can to pull these numbers and yeah, that's all that's all businesses count off nowadays really yeah. in terms of marketing if they really want something, you know, to give back. But um, yeah, I've done pretty well with the ones I have currently to sort of, yeah, of course they 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 love that I can promote back and market, and I don't have a bad following. Um, mm. It's quite good, but in a way, I've been quite lucky that they're very supportive of me in general, and they know that I have you know a little bit of speed on a motorbike, and and they would just want to simply help. So you know, it depends on who you land with. Some companies care about your numbers, but you, you there are people out there that want to help because they want to help you succeed. Sure. Yeah, they want to be part of that journey. Correct. When you when you got the Super Sport Championship, did it open extra doors? Um. To be honest, um, the championship did not open a door specifically, but the way I rode this year opened a door. Um, mm. So my ride next year, oh, sorry, my ride this year. I said to you at the start, this yes, is hard to figure. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Um, my ride this year was pretty much already done prior to that championship. Yeah. Um, and yeah, whether I won that championship or not, I don't believe it would have changed where I am right now. Mm-hmm. But the way I rode all year is is what opened that door. So the champ, the actual championship itself was one big picture that has helped me. Uh, but that actual one race was all me. You know, that was for myself, and uh, it was actually quite good. There was not much pressure on myself. You know, like I knew at the end of the day whether I won it or not. There was there was nothing on the line. It was all just for me. You know, I just yeah. wanted it. Um, so yeah, the way it unfolded was actually quite you know good because I didn't have that pressure. And then once it was all done, I. You know, I had a lot of relief, obviously, and um, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. And I, I, I won't forget that day. You know, it was pretty special. I, I said, <laughs> "This is either going to be the worst twenty-first someone can have, or the best." You know, so I had a pretty good twenty-first birthday, and yeah. I, yeah, it'll go down as a good one. Gives me chills. You're talking about it because, like, watching it live, obviously, um, man, what a Tom, Max, yes. awesome, like strong competitors must be pretty hard eh yeah and like i think that was the best thing that could have happened this year because i had spent three years in the class and i i didn't want to be known as that guy still in the class but obviously i had so many injuries like i had one full season prior to this year you know so that just shows i really did not you know the guys that had had two years where i had three probably had more races under their belt than i did um But yeah, Max and Tom obviously brought a strong level um, of racing this year and that's why I think it's quite good that the level got brought up. You know, the times dropped dramatically, like maybe a second, second and a half everywhere we went, you know, like at Winton. I believe where we finished in the second race because the super, super bike race got brought back in laps because of a crash, we mm-hmm. ran the same total distance. And like, I think my total time when I won the race would have put me like seventh in the super bike class. So, you know, like it's pretty big, you know, like imagine a 600 rolling around there, you know, in top 10 of a Subbike yeah. championship. So, yeah, the championship was really strong this year in our class and uh, the boys rode really well and I'm glad it turned out to go to like my my plan into that weekend was not to take it to the last race. I did not want that yeah. to happen. Um, but on Saturday, uh, Sunday's morning's first race, I rolled out and had a little bit of an issue with the bike and um, I had a lot of moments trying to push on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I got caught up in a little bit of like a, a stress sort of situation because I, I, I didn't really want to be there. And um, 
I had to sort of give that race away because it was gone in the first two laps. Yep. And then, yeah, like it's probably the most full-on four hours between the first race and second race because my head was sort of blown a bit and yep. um, I'd had such a good weekend. Like I led every session and pole and then in the first race I was five seconds off the win, you know, and I had to pick that up. And in the second race it was, yeah, it was all on from the start and oh, yeah. um it turned out to be a great one and like i said i'm glad it went that way because it's you know it's quite a it's quite a cool way to win the championship mate it it was like right on you know you one by what was it six thousands of a second yeah five hundreds five hundreds was five hundreds or five thousands i'm not sure that you know (laughs) you're talking about you know a feather um talk about race one what what like i've been around superbike racing and that Mm. long enough not much usually changes between the first and the second really Mm. How, how, how do you change that what happened yeah, so really all weekend we were running on quite a light fuel tank and um, right. like, like this just shows, you know, we just got, I don't know, carried away. We just, usually we'd be on it. Um, and anyways, we were running on quite a light fuel tank all weekend for the practices and the qualifyings because, you know, at most tracks you can sort of do a race run um, in the practice sessions quite easily. But at the bend, mm. the tyres tear so quick, you yeah. don't really want to be doing race runs because you're just chewing through tyres. Yeah. So we didn't really do a race run prior to the race and we didn't do a race run on the right fuel. So going into the the race, I had probably ran a maximum of seven litres all weekend and then we went to 13. So we ran an extra six litres, which is, you know, six kilos. And um, I think the problem there was, for one, I was, you know, hitting the bottom on the brakes because the fuel was pushing so hard forward. And then vice versa, when I got on the throttle, it was unloading so fast. So really, we completely fluffed it. Like we just, and us as a team, you know, and we didn't pick up on that and it ruined my first race dramatically. I couldn't ride the bike. I couldn't brake as hard as I want to. And I really rely on the brakes when I ride. So the way that I couldn't ride just, you know, completely stuffed it. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure if you watched the first race, but I almost had a big crash in one of in the second lap, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, instantly I went, and I knew in my head because I could feel myself hitting the bottom. I went, we didn't counteract for this fuel, you know, and that's what I was thinking in my helmet. And um, oh, so you knew that at that point, a hundred percent. Yeah, I felt like the bike was a little bit heavier on the brakes, and as soon as I realised it was unloading, I knew it was from the fuel. And in my head, I knew I was on the brakes, so I wasn't going to be able to push any harder. Otherwise, I was probably going to land on my head, you know. And that was why uh, when Max actually went, uh, pulled himself into me, I kind of gave him that position because at the end of that race, whether I finished second or third, I had to win the last race because it was only going to be... I would have gone into the last race either one point in front or three, Mm. and it's five for the win. Yep. So as soon as I could see that Max was on his way, I handed it straight to him because there's no reason for me to engage in a second or third place finish when I've still got to win the last race. Yep. So, yeah, you know, I, I probably backed off a little bit, you know, gave him that space and, yeah, Tom went on to quite a dominant win because of it. But I had to make sure I did the right thing. You know, I could have taken it to the last last race or pushed on and blew it out the way, you know, yep. and had nothing. So, um yeah, then obviously that gave Tom the confidence because he, he kind of dominated that first race and um, I don't really ever kind of hold myself as cocky or anything like that. And But, like, by all means, between that first and second race, I was you know, a little bit like, ah, oh, crap, you know. like We're in for it here. We're in for it here. You know, we'd had – oh, when did we race at Winton? Um, or Wakefield, I should say, maybe oh, March, March, April or yeah. something, you know. So we've had – five six months between these two rounds where i've led the championship yep. and like i had put 
so much thought into it. You know, like every day I had rode out of my driveway to go ride my push bike or go to the gym. Like it was like, it was all because I need to win this first race and get a points buffer. Yeah. And then it didn't go that way. So you thought about that the whole time? Oh, absolutely. Every day, you know. So, and that's why people say, you know, it worked a lot, but it's so mentally in your head, you know, every day you ride and, you know, everything you do, it's like related back to that. So it's so difficult to come to terms with. You have to be realistic in the situation between the moments, you know, whether you're going to win it, lose it, and obviously you're going to give it your all. Yep. But in your head, you're thinking, God, I have put in so much work, like, you know, don't want to fluff it. Yeah. And it's as simple as that. So after I won that race, it was more relief. Like, yeah. you know, like all year I worked my ass off to, to get that. And the fact that I could achieve that for myself, like that's that was, you know, great. That was the big picture. It must have been like just, you know, just the immediate release. You know, you're just mm. so much tension. You're probably a horrible person mm-hmm. to be around for a little bit yeah. before. Yeah. I, I could only imagine. Yeah. Um, you probably weren't, but... If it was me, I would have been a horrible person for that time leading up to it. Yeah, to be honest, I didn't want to talk to anyone. Yeah. It was that simple, you know, and mainly because I didn't want to like, put too much thought into it. I didn't want yeah. people saying things and, you know, like even prior to the um, the weekend, you know, the media were trying to get a little bit out of us and who's going to win it and I simply said to them all weekend, I just want to enjoy my weekend, you know. Yeah. I was very, very stressed and I don't want to put that extra position of myself to say I'm going to smoke this thing, you know, so... Um, you know, but then after the first race, Tom said on the podium and you know, fair play to him, you know, he's playing the game that he won, had plenty up his sleeve for the next one. And so I was pretty pissed off because, you know, I just didn't vibe with it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like I had obviously cleaned up all weekend and then we made such a silly mistake in, in that race. So yeah. I was yeah pretty annoyed, didn't want to talk to anyone. And then pretty much like between the first and second race, even on the grid, like barely talked to anyone, didn't really talk to my dad and, and then my dad sort of, you know, comes to the grid and when we're sitting there, he's sort of said, mate, you know what to do. It's that simple, you know, just go and do it. And uh, really that was all that had been spoken about. Obviously a lot had gone through my head, but like out in terms of like talking, there was not a lot. Wow. What a um, what a tense pit to be around yeah. at that time, you know, and understandably yep. so. Like you're going for something that you've worked your life for. Yeah, and like, you know, mm-hmm. the... I had organized the championship winning helmet and a couple of things like that, which Ollie had. Um, And uh, it was quite funny because I hadn't seen the helmet and I didn't want to see it. And if I didn't win the championship, I probably never would have seen it. You know, I don't, I wouldn't have wanted to, but I gave it to him. And um, between the first and second race, like he would have been thinking, am I going to give him this helmet? Where am I going to give him this helmet? Yeah, where's he's at at too? Yeah, 100%. And uh, I didn't even talk to him, you know, because I was like, I don't want to mention this helmet, you know. I don't want to talk about if I'm going to win, what I'm going to win. I just got to go and do the job and stop worrying about that stuff. And then, you know, I went across the line and won the race. I was like, shit, crap, where's my helmet? Yeah, I want this thing. I was like, we haven't organized this at all, you know. And that's how, like, there was just no communication between those races. And, um, yeah, Ollie just did his best to run down to the end of pit lane. And, yeah, like, it was, uh, yeah, it was it's pretty emotional for me and uh, obviously Ollie's one of my best mates and uh, it was pretty cool to, you know, meet him down there in pit lane and, and then be able to chuck the lid on and, and ride down to my team and, and that sort of thing. Um, mainly for myself and my dad, we've been through a lot and that was like a really special moment for us. Mate, and, and to, you know, share it with your dad and Ollie. That's, mm. you know, as you say, one of your best mates. Yeah. Pretty cool experience on home soil. Yeah, 100%, you know, and obviously my... Um, <clears throat> My mum and that were watching at home with some friends and uh, my girlfriend was actually at work and uh, like we've been together for a long time, um, like four years actually today. But anyways, she was working so she couldn't watch the race and, you know, she messaged me a little bit between the first and second race on her break at, at work and 
I just said to her, it didn't go good and, you know, I don't want to talk. So I'll, uh, you know, I'll talk to you later on, you know, and that was sort of the way it rolled. So there was a bit going on. But, um, yeah, we, as a team, like, you know, we've worked really hard for that. So it's very personal and it's a very small group of guys that put in and, you know, we leave work for it and, you know, we put in a lot and we sacrifice a lot. So for me to be able to at least give that back to them because the guys working on the bikes, it means as much to them as it does to you. Sure. You know, like, especially if, like, obviously my dad is my dad, but even the guys leaving their works to come, they come and do it because they enjoy it. And they don't want to go home as well, you know, without that feeling that they've done that. So uh, it was pretty special for all of us. Have you spoken to Tom? Uh, which one? Edwards? Yeah. Um, prior to leaving, no. So we have like quite an interesting rivalry. Like we've raced together on dirt track all our life. Yep. Um, and to be kind of fair, it's like we didn't really socialize that much when we were young and growing up and we always raced together and we always wanted to beat each other and it was that simple. And uh, yeah, obviously Tom went to Europe and uh, did a little bit of racing over there and um, while I was still racing here and he's come back and it's funny how our paths have like, re-collided, you know, from when we would have been racing, you know, 13, 14 years ago. Wow. So, but like away from the track, we don't talk a heap, um, but like really as a person, like, we have a really good sportsmanship between us and that's what matters most, I believe. Like, you know, um, yeah, like after that race, he was one of the first to congratulate me and uh, I respect that a lot because I know if I was in his situation, I would be pretty pissed off and yep. I'd be very, you know, probably cranky. And, um, you know, to be honest, I would, I'm would. i a good sport as well. I would have gone over there and hand him, but the way he handled it was very well and I respect that a lot. Yep. Um, so... Yeah, look, going into next year, I think he's staying on a 600 and I believe he's probably going to be obviously the one to beat. And, um, like, yeah, I hope he has a good year and, I'm, you know, I'm very appreciative that we were able to at least have that respect this year while we were racing because not once did things get a bit nasty on track or, you yep. know, like that. We had clean racing and that and we went down to the wire a few times. So, no, I'm, I'm very happy how our, you know, rivalry went this year. It's, it's a business, mm. really, isn't it? Like mm. racing motorcycles is a business yep. with a couple of friendships along the way, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. And like, I really don't have too many – like I talk to a lot of guys at track, obviously. I talk yep. to everyone, you know. Um, but I don't really carry a friendship for many besides a couple of guys um, that I talk to away from the track. Um, mainly Ollie is one guy I deal with outside yep. of racing, like just personally. Um, so that's why, yeah, like I said, this year I was glad that it went that way and everyone held respect for each other. But, like, I believe the Subbikes is a different you know, different kettle of fish and um, it'll be interesting to see which way that way goes because, you know, I don't have um, a relationship with too many guys in the Subbike class and, um, yeah, you really just don't know how things will go till it happens, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, definitely. With... with, with um with the super white class this mm. year, did you read the article MZ News Trevor Hedge put out this week about all the different things? And I whatnot? did read a fair bit of it actually. Um, I mostly read through some of the comments um, that were. Oh, don't the, get into the comments. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I did too. Yeah, so I read a little bit of it, yep. but like to be honest, I don't really read into social medias. Yep. Um, like I use social media as a way to keep in contact with people. Yep. But I also don't really socialize on you know reading into things and that sort of thing. I kind of 
a couple of years ago when I had my injuries and things, I went into this like weird sort of circle where I just, you know, looked into things too much and, you know, looked into depth of bikes and things. And, and this year, the last couple of years, I really pulled back on my social medias and just, you know, enjoyed riding my motorbike and, and posting about myself and, and keeping it simple. And yeah, like I said, my way of contacting people through social medias for messages is, yeah. Mm. But in terms of articles, I don't really read that many unless they're involving me. <laughs> yeah, fair cool, fair mm. cool. And this this one was more so, and the, the part I'll touch on was... Uh, you know, the series that we've got coming up mm. this year for ASBK. Yep. Mate, it's it's a deep field. Yeah, well, that's actually what's surprising. Like I said to um, my dad the other day, like obviously the field, there's not too many new riders coming in, but there's a lot of riders that are on a stronger package than they were and it's right. going to bring everyone a lot closer. Like mm. the guys like Wagner and Crew Halliday were both, you know, they're both obviously very good riders mm. and um, they struggled a lot with the Dunlops this year. Yes. Uh, you had Brian and Brian Starring and Josh Woodis that both struggled on Dunlops, um, you know, and you got Brian that's now lining up in the Ducati, very Huge. good package. Yeah, you got Josh Waters lining up in the BMW, very good package. Yep. You have Halliday and Jonesy now in the Yamaha, both on a good package with the tyres. With Pirellis, with yep. Pirellis, you know, and then you got Glenn, who's a, a bit of a like he's coming back to a very good form. Um, then you've obviously got Herfoss, you've got Maxwell, um, Arthur Sissies, you know, these are like up to 10 guys that some years without being rude to them, you could count them out based on their package. Mm. You can't count them out anymore because everyone has really sacrificed that, you know, if they've had a fault of, of a package that they've been helped with product that they've just had to deal with, everyone this yep. year's kind of gone, no more. We want to win this. We want to win. Yeah. So, yeah, like I think for my way to go into the Subbite year, like it's probably going to be one of the toughest fields. So uh, it'll be interesting. Like I, I... I don't know where I'm going to be to, yeah. to begin with. Um, but by all means, like, you know, I'm a racer. We're all raced to win and uh, I want to win a race by the end of the year. And I believe because I want to, I reckon I'll be able to do it at some point. So who knows when, but I believe I've, I believe I can. It's yeah. I, I think you can too. And I, I yeah, I agree hundred percent with the packages as mm. well. Like I look at it and, the Yamahas on the Pirellis is going to mm. be a good thing. Yeah, well, even just from seeing Cruz form recently at Sydney um, at the night races, mm. like he's he wouldn't have been there three months ago on that package. Yeah. So you know, and obviously uh, Herfus and Allerton, I think on the weekend with um, Josh Waters were all riding together, and they were all f like four guys cram packed, yeah. and that's just four at a night race. Yeah, you that's know, right. You bring all these other guys. I believe it's going to be the same story. It's going to be very close. And eight rounds. Mm. Eight you know, total different tracks. Like we've brought QR back into the fold this year. Yes. How do you feel about that? Yeah, um, I think it's going to be interesting because for me, like really in the last two years, like I've done four rounds. So, um, you know, and <laughs> yep. then this year we've got eight and uh, going to a couple of tracks I've never raced at like Darwin and I believe we're going to back to Tassie or somewhere like that. I can't remember which track there is. I can't remember if we're going to Barbagello or not or somewhere. There's somewhere else I haven't been either. Right. Um, anyways, so it's obviously going to be a very busy year for me, which isn't going to be something that I've been used to in the last couple of years. But I think that's going to be the best way to get onto a subbike, you know, to start, you know, ride a lot. Yep. Um, so I believe that should help me progress. And um, there's a couple of tracks on the calendar I really like. And QR actually is a strong track for me in the past when I've rode smaller bikes. I've always done well there. And obviously we'll get to go to, back to Morgan Park this year for the first time in a couple of years. And um, that alone I think is going to be really good. Like I think even not having Morgan Park this year on our championship really um, really made things difficult for me as well, going to tracks I hadn't tested at in two years, mm. and uh, which I think was the biggest thing. It still showed my speed because I was going there and doing so well. And, um, you know, these tracks like Wakefield and Winton are within you know, 
Morgan Park distance for us, for Tom and Max. Yeah. And, uh, you know, while we were doing a little bit here at Morgan Park, like I smashed a lap record on my 600 by a fair bit and then we didn't get to race here. You know, Max come up for one of the club rounds and I believe it just showed, you know, a little bit of home track knowledge. You know, we were having seven lap races and I was able to put five, six seconds into a win, you know. Yeah. So I was pretty bummed that we didn't get to race at Morgan Park this year because I think I... I would have had a bit of a weekend to show, you know, that that's what home track does. Yep. Um, so, yeah, really this year, I jump onto a subbike with um, coming back to Morgan Park and QR. I think that's going to be really good for us Queenslanders to, to be able to equal things out because in the last couple of years, we've always just been going south. Had to travel, eh? Mm. Yeah. Yep. Definitely had to travel. And um, first first proper test is Phillip Island, isn't it? Yeah, so we've got one ride at uh, next Thursday at QR and then we head down to Phillip Island. So in the following week, so it's all come up so wow. fast, you know. It is too, yep. Yep, it's one week after. So, yeah, it's all coming up very fast and uh, it'll probably take me a few days to sort of get used to things. But I think by round one, I should be okay. Like I haven't rode the bike since that Morgan Park weekend, which was a few months ago. Yeah. Um, and that was mainly because I thought, oh, I need to get off this R1 because I've got to go race my 600, you know. And yep. actually, I'd, I got off it to try and ride my 600 more and then... I didn't really end up getting back on my 600. So when I went to the bend, I hadn't rode it for like five months, which was a long time off that bike. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how next Thursday goes. It'll be a good thing for our team to have a bit of a shakedown and see where we're at and hopefully it's not too far away. Someone that comes from a dirt track background like yourself, mm. places like uh, QR, Melbourne yes. Park, um, hard braking zone areas, that's got to be a beneficial place to be to ride, yeah? Yeah, I think that's um, that's something that uh, helps a lot of us dirt trackers and things like that. And I think that's probably one of my main beneficial parts as well is like a braking area. So, uh, yeah, definitely going to places like QR, Morgan Park. And I believe that's why even I was quite strong at Wakefield, Winton, you know, these tight you know, yep. braking tracks. But I don't think we're going back to Winton this year. So mm. uh, go back to Wakefield. But I, I, I even believe, yeah, Wakefield as well will be a strong track for me. So... I really just um, need to evaluate where I am on the weekends when I when I get there on a Friday because it's all new and it's yep. all like, it's a big challenge. So like I got no expectations. I just know what I want. Now I want to win a race, but I got to see where I'm at to begin with, and then then I'll make my goals and start ticking at them one one time one thing at a time. You mentioned his name before. Yep. Now he's just won two Superbike championships. Mm. Is Wayne coming back? I'm pretty sure it is. He has to. Yeah, like, yeah. It'd be, and it, I think it'd be good if he did. You know, uh, yeah. for late rounds. Yeah. Look, um, <laughs> I think maybe that bit of retirement was maybe a little bit of like an, um, a bit of a, like a rush wording where it was like, ah, you know, COVID, and yeah. you know, I've won the championship. Maybe it's best to just do it, do it now. And um, look, to be honest, he's won back to back, and I think that would have been an amazing way to retire. But if he's not done, he's not done. You know, sometimes he might, if, if he's enjoying racing and that's what he enjoys in life, then he should keep doing it. Um, I would do the same thing, but by all means, I don't think the guy's going to win two championships and uh, still be training and, and not ride, you know. And that, that bike is a very, um, it's a good package and there's probably, uh, I believe if someone else was riding it, it would be known by now. So, yeah has to yes it can't sit in the shed no you know you can't keep that thing tied up and no you know he's fit healthy everything's ready to go if it does happen so Correct. he'll be, be there see. yeah be good to see yeah what are you doing for training obviously lots of cycling hey yeah i do lots of riding on my pushy um maybe not as much as like you know not not like as much as some cyclists like troy um he obviously does a lot um 
but yeah, like I still got to try and juggle up between my work and things like that. And it's difficult, you know, waking up at four o'clock in the morning to get in a ride and, you know, try and be back by seven to get to work. But yeah, most of it at the moment is like cycling, try and do maybe 10 to 15 hours a week on my pushy and um, try and do maybe between eight and 10 hours at the gym to try and keep my upper body strength up and that sort yeah. of thing. So yeah, like my training's pretty full on a couple of times a day and probably, you know, up to 20 hours a week. So that's that's pretty full on um, to juggle up with work and that sort of thing. But it's, it's definitely worth it, you know, like you got to, that was the hard thing when I was always injured and can't train. Yeah. When you can't train, you can't hold, you know, strength and you can't be fit and it's a massive part of racing. So yeah, I'm glad I'm putting in. Tell me about your injuries, mate. Like 2017? Yes. was the first, mate, obviously, major one. Correct. How did it all happen? What happened? Um, so basically, I was, it was, it was actually Valentine's Day. So it was, yeah, February um, of well, whichever date was Fe- is Valentine's Day January or February? Uh, Feb. Feb. Yes. <laughs> you made me think. Yeah. yeah. So it was Feb fourteenth yep. um, on Valentine's Day. Uh, me and my mum decided to go riding, and uh, she took me. So I was a bit of like Valentine's Day, you know, like. Yep. So we went riding. It was just me and her. And it was the first time it actually just should take me to the track myself. And uh, yeah, just after school one day, went to went for a ride. And um, yeah, I, I yeah obviously had that crash, which uh, resulted in a lot of injuries. And you know, it was just a yeah, practice crash that happened very. Uh, it was sort of thrown at me, like you know, it was my first lap of the day. Um, I got caught off that was just by like a tie that was just sort of sitting on on the track a little bit that I I obviously didn't see because it was my first lap of the day, and uh, yeah, when I hit that tire, I sort of lost control and uh, ran ran off the track and um, there was a barrier bolted into the ground in the centre of the circuit, and that was what I hit. So I hit that and it was full of water, so it was like hitting concrete, um, and I believe I hit it around 120. So coming to a dead stop at that speed was pretty full on um and i don't remember much of it because to be honest i lost so much blood i passed out very early um but it was very emotional because um my mum ran over to me so it was just me and my mum and to begin with and yeah like obviously i was like laying on both my femurs so they were both like snapped and like pretty much hyperextended because my feet were at my face um and yeah i couldn't really feel a thing like my body was very on fire because i'd broken my back and my shoulder and a lot of other injuries and to be honest i thought i thought i was gone like uh because i was i was passing out very fastly because i the bones had popped out of my femurs so the blood was coming out um so yeah it was pretty like emotional um like my mum was you know it's not nice for my mum to be in that position by herself and be calling an ambulance and look to be honest by the time the ambulance gone got to me i was like gone um so yeah look i'm very lucky to even be here let alone be racing a motorbike and be where i am so yeah that to be to be honest was like real difficult like you know i was 16 and um like racing in asia and i was super fit and you know and i was you know year 12 at school and you know just was having a good time in my life like it was literally i just have you know done a few weekends of gp watching and just everything was really good and um and then you know like that ended up in hospital for a few months and the biggest thing is you know how fast you you fade away you know like you know when you're six foot tall and you're weighing like 50 kilos in a hospital bed it's it's pretty bad you know you can't keep food down you, you can't stand up and wash yourself you can't do any of that you know like so for me like i hadn't broken a bone before that day and then i, I got struck with that and um so yeah it was so difficult like it was horrible <laughs> so you went through the whole junior dirt track till then without breaking a bone yeah correct you know, the worst injury i picked up was probably a knockout uh that was it um 
So yeah, I went went through all of those years with no injuries and uh, picked that one up. And then yeah, like I was obviously in an induced coma for a couple of days, and um, I didn't really like when I when I crashed. I was sort of I knew my legs were cooked, but I didn't know the extent of what had happened. And to be honest, I thought I was kind of dying. And uh, then when I woke up out of the induced coma, it was like wow you know like I woke up and I have these big metal cages on my legs and I'm sort of strapped to the bed so I can't move and and that sort of thing and um yeah like it was pretty traumatic couple days and then I got rushed into surgery pretty much the second I was awake and then even that didn't go too well I had to have a second emergency um surgery because the first one I lost so much blood and you know it just wasn't wasn't good you know I woke up during the first surgery and I was because they were still trying to perform on me and I shouldn't have I shouldn't have woke up that we should have been out of there by then so um yeah that like few days was was obviously horrible and um I was in the bed for a long time and it's different when you break one femur you know you can try and get up on the other femur or something but when you got both femurs back shoulders arms wrists like you just you're just nothing um so yeah it was pretty hard doing that because you just can't do anything you've got to lay there and um like i said you know you can't shower yourself you can't do anything so and then even that like you know finally get out of the hospital and, and start tracking and then you've got to go back to school in a wheelchair and you know you haven't seen your mates in years oh sorry months and you know when you saw them you you are who you are and you know i was on top of the world and then i see him and i'm in a wheelchair and i'm covered in braces and you know i've got legs on me like noodles and you know it was it was pretty hard like i dealt with so much anxiety in the end and um i didn't you know the first couple of months i went to school and then i couldn't really even go back like because i was so like i got too emotional at school you know what i mean like hated getting you know the classrooms were having to move down the stairs for me um you know my mates were having to like take me everywhere go to the bathroom and all that sort of shit like it was just horrible um so like i'm a quite confident person and like, usually i don't really care what people think of me and you know i, I am who i am but like that couple of months really changed me as a person you know like i I struggled a lot mentally and um, I was so sick of like life and racing and, and that sort of thing. And um, yeah, it was difficult. I can, I can definitely assure that. <laughs> Man, I, you're speechless, eh? Yeah. It's huge, eh? Yeah. And, and, and that's it. Like, you know, now I look back at it and, you know, winning the championship was a good, a good point to my story. You know, I believed after that day um, I struggled to, you know, because I was racing in Asia and I had some rides lined up to, you know, take a little bit of um journey over there and and that got taken from me like the year that i had my accident i was going to i'd been penciled in to go to rossi's master camp that year in april and um like i actually didn't even know about it before my accident and um so yamaha had pretty much penciled that in with me to go and do that and that would have been you know amazing you know yep. like what a what a way to spend a week over there with with that camp and you know do some uh do some things over there and then i actually found out about that a couple of weeks after i got out of my induced coma mm. um mainly because yamaha needed to fill the spot if if i wasn't ready to go um and i tried so hard to be ready but geez i was still laying on my back in april so yeah. um yeah that didn't happen and that sort of thing but like you know i look back at it now and regardless of of where my racing goes and and that sort of thing like obviously everyone wants to race MotoGP but for me like I'd need to take you know if I can like now my dream is to become Australian Superbike Champion yep. if I become Australian Superbike Champion I'll make a new one but 
like for where I am now, like it's pretty cool that I've been able to have this story. Like by all means, if I didn't have to deal with it, I wouldn't. I would take, completely take that out of yep. my life. But you know, to get that to where I am and have this story behind myself is quite a cool thing. It's special, and I think it's made me who I am. And um, yeah, like I said, my dream now to to win a superbike championship is 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 my goal. And if I can do that, then maybe I evaluate and go somewhere else. But at the moment, like, that's what I want to do. It's nice and refreshing to say that because a lot of people do skip it too. Mm. A lot of, you know, I just want to do MotoGP, mm. you know. Yeah. Australian Superbike Champions is a huge thing to have. Well, you're the best rider in Australia. Absolutely. It's massive. You it's, know, Australia is not a small country. No, nah, and we, we've got credible races. Mm, it's correct. it's a it's a huge thing to any for anyone to achieve. Yep. Um, and, and it, you know, I think the goal of being overseas is a little bit different these days too. Yeah, 100% it is. And um, it's so hard because sometimes you can hear other people and you don't want to be that burst to their bubble. But like it is, it's not what it, what, what it, you know, it's not as easy as it, as it seems. You know, yep. you can't just win races and go. You don't, you know, like even people say to me, um, like, you know, that I like in my work, like you're Australian super sport champion. What the heck are you doing working? Like, man, I gotta work. Yeah, you know, and I'm probably gonna have to keep working. Yep. You know, and even if I'm Australian Superbike champion, I'll probably keep working. Yep. Uh, and that's just the way it goes. And like, you know, by all means, yeah. When I was younger, I thought, awesome, I want to race MotoGP. But right now, like, I don't even think about that. Like, I don't even know. If, I don't think. Not that I don't think it's achievable. Like, yeah, obviously, you never want to cr- crush that out. But to me, like. Like you said, you know, for me to win Australian Superbike Championship, that would be a massive thing alone. Yep. And um, it's kind of hard to put it out there, but I think more people need to need to look at it like that, you know. We're still racing in Australia and to become that is still something special. And, you know, unless things change with, with motorsport and, and the routes to get overseas, which I'm, I'm not sure if it will, mm. um, you know, hopefully more people start to look at it like that because it's very hard being a young kid thinking yep. it's all like you know so easy and then you can get led down this path where it's not you know it's pretty full on and you need like we've said about earlier you need to have contacts and you need to know people and and that sort of thing but like i'm very uh like this year to be racing for for the team that i am and with the guys i have around me i'm very appreciative of that and yeah. uh yeah I, i'm very excited of where my future is at, at the moment it's and and to add to that like at, at riding, you know, junior dirt track championship, mm. junior dirt track and getting championships mm. and that. Like next year, like you ride R1M. Yes. You ride one of the best bikes in Australia. Mm. You know, you, you, the machinery that we've got here ain't half bad. No. Um, it's not like we're riding completely inferior products or anything. Correct. To, for, for myself, I'd dream of riding something that had Olin set up on it and this, you know what I mean? Yeah, like it's, 100%. It's a huge bit, like to have that perspective of like, wow, I'd like... I'd love to ride your factory, mm. semi-factory bike. Mm. Like it'd be pretty, pretty unreal to have. And I think uh, some, somewhere along the way that gets crossed off and, and, and missed. It does. And, and that's when people like miss that and then, you know, start to look into overseas and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, like, like I said earlier, I'm very, very yep. fortunate to be racing for the team I am this year. I'm super excited. Um, and yeah, like, you know, my dream is obviously still to race in Europe and whether that's even, you know, just some international championship like Spain or BSB one day or something yep. else, like even that would be cool. Mm. You know, you have to be able to look at these things. There's steps to all of that. Um, but, you know, like if you can't become Australian Superbike Champion, it's going to be very difficult for overseas. So unless I can win an Australian Superbike Championship, like there's no reason for me to venture off into that path yet. You know, I need to sort of keep my track on where yep. I am. And I'm obviously still young. I'm 21, but nowadays like it's like soccer you know they're like getting scouted at these 14 15 year old you get 
you know, obviously Pedro Acosta this year when he won the championship in Moto3, like what's he, 16, 17 years old or something yeah. like that, you know, and now he's going to be riding a Moto2 bike for, you know, Red Bull KDM and um, unless you're sort of at that age and, and carrying down that path, it's so difficult to get yep. in, you know, like 21's not old, but in that world, like I think, well, how old's Fabio Quartararo, you know, he's probably around that age. 21. 21. 21 22. And yeah. he's won the world championship, you yep. know, so yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one and I believe if you're, if you want to actually uh, be able to make it the best chance you have by the age of 12, 13, I believe you have to be in Europe you know, and there's no other way around yeah. it. You need to be at there at that age, racing those bikes on those tracks and have those people around you. And that's probably the like 95% chance of ever, like making to GP or Europe. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's your best outcome. 100%. You know, there, there's other outcomes, but that's your best possible route. Um, yeah, yeah to take for it sure in. it is because like, you know, I raced one year here into bikes, I'm 22. Yep. Um, even if I you know win this year's championship which far out i don't have that expectations um but anyways even if that that aligned yep. you know i go race an international champion for for a couple of years you know all of a sudden i'm 24 you know like yeah, 20, 24 you know and i've and that's if i've had like the perfect sort of you know plan so even at that age you know you're still considered on the outskirts so um yeah that's why like i really think if i can you know focus on what i'm doing here and uh even if i stay here you know and keep racing and that sort of thing and can make a little bit of a you know, make a little bit of a journey out of my racing here. Like, you know, I'll go where that goes. Yep. I, yeah, totally understand it. Mm. And, you, you know, and you're not, and you, you and I both aren't saying like, Ollie hasn't won an Australian Superbike mm. Championship either. No. But his journey of what he's undertaken and the way he's doing it, mm. I actually quite appreciate that mm. way too. Because yeah. he's got the speed now to win an Australian Superbike Championship. Yeah, he like, He definitely does. Yeah. Um, he's put in the work and the effort here. Yeah. And at some time, like at his age where he's at now, he's going over still young enough mm. to, to be able to get in that. And to get into where this championship is for Supersport going over there, mm. it's actually a really refreshing time to get into that too. Yeah, well, I like he's at the right age for that championship. 100%. Like, for World Supersport 600, he's the perfect age. You should be going to do that. Yes, yep. correct. And uh, even for me, like this year, like I believe the way I rode my R6 I believe I could have, uh, I could even do quite well on in Europe on an R6. Mm. Um, and originally, like I, w- I would have loved to go and race the World Super Sports 600 Championship myself. Mm. Um, but you know, I, I couldn't make that happen, and uh, I just, you know, didn't really have the contacts and that sort of thing. And then the budget just didn't really work within. Um, and that's where I then, sort of, you know, at the beginning of the year, I ruled that out and said, okay, I need to you know, make a plan because without plan, you're not, you know, you're not you're not going to get it working. Yep. So that's when I sort of, you know, tried to take that route and, um, yeah, couldn't make it happen. So then I sort of turned my attention to the Subbikes and uh, that's why in the middle of the year I, I wanted to get on a Subbike and I knew that was going to be my direction. And, um, yeah, I'm pretty close with Paul Free and he was working for Honda at the time. And I said to him, can I try and get on this bike, you know, of Troy's and, you know, have a ride and, you know, I'll cover the costs of whatever it takes for me to take that bike out and go riding. And, yep. you know, I'm not asking for a free clean clean slate to just go and ride a bike i don't expect that so um yeah you know i put in the put in a bit of work to get that happening and yeah rode that bike a couple of times and enjoyed it and then you know managed to get on the r1 with uh, a little bit of a better you know deal and relationship starting to form and that's how i am now um yep. that's where i've landed and yeah i i did the best thing i could at that point to decide to take that path because that's given me a ride this year if i didn't do that and i kept you know daydreaming and trying to get to europe and it was never going to happen yep. i would never ride this year so, you know, I'm glad I, I just made a plan and said, this is what I'm going to do. And yep. then here I am with a ride. So it's good. And a lot of people probably um, forecasted this for you. Mm. You, you. You've made your plan as well. But, you know, um, I've spoken about it for people. It'd be great to see Brock come on 
what are you, 6'3"? Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably. 6'2", 6'3", somewhere around that. It'd be great to see you get to the time where you've fulfilled your mm. opportunity. You've completed your opportunity in Supersport. Yeah. Um, this is the time where you, it does forecasted come through um, and, and you're the new blood, Max, yourself, mm. and a couple of others coming in, the new blood coming into the championship that we yep. sort of do need to. So it's, it's the timing. Yeah, well, that's what I think even um, like <clears throat> Ollie this year uh, probably done the best thing that could have happened for us younger guys because yes. Australian follows this tradition where um, not old guys but older guys are on the factory teams um, and it makes it very hard for young guys coming through that don't have ridiculous amounts of money behind them and knowledge. Because mm. without money and knowledge, it's very difficult to build a competitive package on a subbike. And so, you know, while it's difficult for young guys to get that, um, to get the trust to have a good bike and get given the opportunity, it makes it hard. So by Ollie going out, you know, winning a race um, this year at Darwin, it made it realise, you know, he didn't dominate on a 600 and go to a subbike and was ready to go, you know. He jumped on a subbike and, and learnt and did yep. the, did what all of us probably have to do. But he proved that, you know, you can win a race at that age and uh, I believe that was the best thing that could have happened because even um, even coming from that event, it was quite a big media thing for a young guy to, you know, win a subbike race and I think it brought a lot of energy and it brought of, uh, a lot of people, like, sort of spiked up to it, you know. A lot of people sure. love... Obviously, Ollie has a big big fan base himself you know what i mean he comes with a lot of support but i believe that that also you know just come the fact that obviously ollie is ollie baylor's but i believe the fact that he is young yeah and he's hungry is what people loved about that you yeah. know what i mean it's, it doesn't come back to and i say this all the time and ollie's obviously my mate and that but like at the end of the day no matter what package you get given or or anything like that on a sub bike you don't just win a race and the bike rides itself no. you know you, you you know that's takes a lot and for him to do that at his age and be able to you know pull himself from you know fifth sixth place guy to win a race that's what people like to see yeah and that's what our sport needs for sure and you know we need young guys to be engaging with battle with you know guys that have you know been in the class the veterans that have the knowledge because that brings excitement so you know imagine if we could have three or four guys doing what ollie did every year you know it would bring a lot to the championship so I hope this year, I think there's a couple of us, maybe, yeah, me and Max. And, yep. you know, I hope that even him can bring it to the front because it'll be good for us. And um, hopefully it then generates the opportunities for other young guys to come in because I, I believe that's what the class needs. Not ruling out that those other guys can't be in there. I believe it needs to be a mix of everything, you for know sure. what I mean, to bring that excitement, yeah, because those guys that have been in the class for a few years, they're not going to let us win. They're not going to, you know, just let us come along. It's obviously going to create a, a, a great uh, great form of racing and I believe for spike spectating views and even media and yeah. marketing sort of thing, that's what the championship needs. Walking away from Hidden Valley, the the news that of Ollie's win, mm. everything around it was huge. Mm. You know, that that was the, probably one of the most clicked ASBK items. I, I, if, I, if I was to measure it, I reckon it would be. 100%. And it's not because it's Ollie Bayless's, but... Partially, but there's a lot, a, a yeah. lot of it that is because, well, something new, exciting. Yeah, it's it's sort of like a changing of the guard. You mm. know, um, I've said it to Troy and I've both, I've said it to Ollie as well. Like the the desire that Ollie's got of it, and it's exactly what you said. But he wouldn't. He's not just jumping on a bike and winning. No, mate, the guy is working his absolute ass off to do this. Yeah, he's committed. Yeah, and the thing with um like that, like I actually um. 
like I said to Ben Henry before they went to Darwin, I was down there at a, a workshop at, at his workshop, and um, I take my bikes there sometimes for to get some work done and that. And he hates it because he, you know, he's obviously you know tries his best to look after me and, and not charge me and that. But it, but he's trying to get his own work done, you know. So I yep. rock up with my bike, and he's like, oh bloody peer, so what now? Yeah. And anyway, so I was you know having a joke around with him before they head off to Darwin. I said, oh don't worry about it, you'll be on a wind for this weekend, and um, you know you'll have a good weekend. So. And he, rec- and he goes, oh, yeah, you reckon we're on here, do you? And I said, well, not – yeah, well, I reckon Ollie's on, you know. And, uh, you know, not putting anything on Jonesy, but I see a, like a path with Ollie when he's got this like certain mentality, like when he's on, he's on. And uh, I said to Benny, like, Ollie's going to win this weekend. And he was like to me, mm, mate, like, you know, he was – and obviously the first couple of rounds before, I think it was like third and fourth place guy. And Benny's like, man, it's a big jump to get from that third and fourth place guy to – the yep. win and I said not when your mental like your mentality clicks like you know I said those guys aren't superheroes they're just the best riders in the country and there's really no reason why he's not one of them um, yep. and yeah because I notice a certain path with when we race and that like if I turn up to a weekend and I can see all his mentality is like quite high I go ah shit you know we're on for a weekend here and he always does well when he is in that mode um, and yeah he obviously went on to win that weekend in Darwin and um yeah, I sort of saw that coming and it's just interesting. Like he's got this mentality where not a lot of riders have it, but you know, when they know they're on, they will like literally do anything to win that weekend. But then when they're down, sometimes they get a little bit caught up in the storm mm. and then they struggle. And Ollie, Ollie does do that as well. You know, like when we raced at Wakefield that year where he struggled and um, championship went to, to Paris, yep. yeah, he got caught up in that and like just struggled, you know? And I said to him on the weekend, like, Mate, I, and I wanted to win, but, I wanted to also see him you know, win the championship that year and, um, yeah. you know, I just tried to ravel his head and, mate, get out of it, you know, and yeah. he got caught up in it and that's, that's sort of – that's their downside. But when they're on their upside, it's very hard to beat them, you know, and, and that weekend Ollie was not going back from Darwin without a win and uh, even since that round he hasn't won a race, he still has that same mentality and I believe if he takes that to Europe – and uh, even if he has a bit of a slow start or whatnot, if he has that mentality in Europe, I believe he has every opportunity to do very well in that class for sure. For sure, incredible talent. Mm. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He has. He does have something in him that knows how to ride a motorbike. Yes. For sure, and he's got that. You call it mentality. Mm. I call it. He's got mongrel. It's, it's just, mongrel. It's true. Just he's got a. He's a gritty character. He is, and uh, which is cool. Cool to see. And you need it. You need desire. Yeah. And, and it's like that and it's 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 very good that I've been able to create like a bit of a, a friendship with Ollie that we had on track that hasn't had any effect because like we're obviously good mates but like oh, I hate losing to him he hates losing to me and good. you know we're always putting each other down on things that we think we're better at yep. but in a way it's uh, look I don't want to say that I helped him but I believe the, the our riding that we've done has helped both of us um, and I think, you know, like doing our riding and our uh, bit of training on 400s together and even having that um, that bit of competitiveness even when we're riding on the, on the 400s and that sort of thing, it's, it's pretty important. Like it brings us both up and uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes this year. I think it'll do well, but it'll be, you know, a bit of a, a, bit of a struggle in the pit without him because that team with uh, those boys, Troy and Ali, bring a lot of energy and I mm-hmm. enjoy being around them and... Um, I was hoping this year I could jump on a Subbike and uh, take it to Ollie and mm. uh, be able to do that before he gets over there. Um, yep. But, yeah, he's getting over there early and good on him and, you know, maybe in a couple of years I meet back on him on a path over there. I don't know. Who's faster on a 400? He is. He is? Yeah, 100%. Yep, yep he is. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> so this out at the Mini Moto? Yeah. yeah. So we've had a night out there. Like, we've had, we've been out there maybe like seven or eight times. And it's not much faster than me. Like, I've been out there a couple of nights where I'm faster, where yeah. I've had a good day. But usually he's generally yeah, a bit faster. You know, he's a little bit littler than me and gets over that 400 pretty well, where sometimes I'm a little bit not as fast with him on change directions, things like that. Yep. Um, but yeah, in relation to the 400, yeah, he's pretty fast. Good training for you? Yeah, 100%. It yep. is good. Like, it's good. The main thing is it's nice to get on a bike and enjoy it. You know, mm. be able to ride, not have pressure of times. And well, in saying that, Troy always pulls out the stopwatch. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, yep. no, maybe not from that side, but like, you know, we get to ride not mattering if we come into the pits with something not working on the bike or, yep. you know, half the time our dash has fallen off or something because some zip ties snap, you know, like it's yep. just, we're just, we're there for a ride and it's, it's good to be able to do that instead of turning up to the track because like when you're away racing, obviously we enjoy racing motorbikes, but when we go to ASPK, it's like time to do our job. Like you don't yep. really there to enjoy it. You, you, you enjoy the winning, mm. but like you're there to do your job. Yep. So it's nice to be able to go and do things outside of racing that you can just simply enjoy and, um, yeah, going to the cart track with those boys for me is, is my way out for sure. Mate, you're 21 years old. How, like you're very level-headed. Mm. Were you always like that or did the injuries change that? Nah, to be honest, I was always pretty level-headed, um, but my, maybe my injuries succumbed to like bring me back to, you know, realising where I'm at. You know, the sky's obviously the limit for a lot of things, but you, I believe it made me realise where I'm at is a very important thing. You know, you're yeah. like, not getting carried away. Um, my dad is been a major impact of, of how I am. And um, obviously I, I won a lot of um, dirt track racing, you know, and it's like, you know, when I was racing against the likes of um, Tom Edwards and even Max Whale and all those boys. And I was, yeah, I won a lot, you know, in, in that time. And um, my dad was always very like good to keep me down to where I was, you know, like yep. we're here to race, you're here to win, we go home, you know, and I, he made me sort of carry the energy I do now. Um, so probably because of of his help, it uh, yeah definitely brought me level headed. But my injuries pretty much just brought me back to where I was to like make me realise and appreciate what I have because yeah half the time there's a lot of riders out there that don't realise like how nice it is to be able to have this you know this adventure to be able to race your motorbike and enjoy that part of your life and be successful with because it's very rewarding you know yeah. like that's the main thing about racing and if you don't realise how rewarding it is it's pretty bad because like when I had my injuries and ended up in hospital, like I just was, I felt like nothing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because without racing, that's kind of as, as much as not saying I don't have anything else to go for me. That's, that's what our lives are about. Yeah. So like that gets taken away from you for even a period of time. It's very difficult. Um, like I remember even when I was in the hospital for a few months, I remember when I first went outside, <laughs> about five minutes into going outside, I passed out from the sunlight. It just made me go. But anyways, Wow. When I when I went out, just like the feeling of the sense of the trees and the air, yep. it was like gold. And it was so weird because, I, you know, you walk out the front door every day, yep. you don't think about the wind and you don't go, oh, this is beautiful. You just walk yep. out and get to do what you want to do. But like I remember that day so strongly. It just felt like, you know, I felt a mil even though I was broken as, I <laughs> felt a million bucks when I felt that wind, you know. Yep. And it was, it was, yeah, like I said, five minutes later, I passed out. I was back up to the hospital. But it just sort of made me realize things. You just have to be able to appreciate what we have and, and that sort of thing. And um, I've been very fortunate to have parents so supportive to, to, to get me to here. And, and now it's it's um, they're able to step back and be able to enjoy it from a point of view where they can watch. And um, 
put that in the perspective of a, of a team getting to now take the reins and try and help me to maybe the next part of my future, yeah. Mum, mum was with you that day. Yes. How, how, did, how does she go? Yeah, well, to be honest, um, she struggled the first few months, but like they were always really good with it in terms of like it was always up to me. Like it was that yeah. simple. Um, and yeah, like there was a couple points in my recovery where oh, I sort of thought like, fuck, I can't do this much longer because I was struggling and right. they were very supportive. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. Yeah. And uh, But they never said to me, yeah, good. We don't want you to do it. You know what I mean? And uh, I believe my dad... As much as he was, um, you know, obviously very taken back by my accident and it hurt him a lot as well to see me go through it, he was very supportive in the way that he believes that I have a lot of talent and he was there for me pretty much every step to make sure I get back because he didn't want it to let me also, you know, not saying that he, you know, wasn't supportive if I wanted to give it away, but it was more the fact that he wanted me to know, like, I can get through this. And I will get back there. And I'm very lucky to have that support. And uh, yeah, like mum struggles to to watch, I think a lot of it, but but like she's a hard chick. Like um, she's, yeah, she's not a softie. And so yeah, she's okay. Like, you know, when it's when we put in a lot as a family to go away racing, you know, even if I have a bit of a, a down a weekend or I struggle, you know, like on, on a Monday, like my mum's kicking me out of bed, you know, like lift your game you know yeah. so it's it's really good we have a good support system and obviously the second time i broke my back was probably the hardest because i was stuck in adelaide and um yeah i was down there by myself and my mum had to fly there to to be with me and um just to just to help me and yep. uh that probably was one of the most difficult ones because i was like shit i'm back in this bed again and you know mum's back by my side in a hospital and um yeah, that, that accident, even though it didn't hurt me the most, mentally it was like just stuffed me. So what was that one? That was on the 600 as yeah, well. Yeah, so like it had only been maybe 11 months since my main accident and I jumped up onto a 600 the following year and um, like I was going okay, a couple couple third places I think at the first opening rounds and um, like I was, I was happy with that, you know, yep. like actually my first race at Phillip Island, it was wet and I put it on pole, but then it dried up and I didn't have the pace. But yep. anyways, uh, yeah, so then we went to the bend as the third round and uh, I did a wild card in that Asian championship uh, when they come here and I just got taken out by another rider. Um, but yeah, like I remember laying there in the gravel trap and I, I went so far, but then I, I knew instantly that I broke my back. It was the exact same pain, you know what I mean? Yep. And they'd had like two or three crashes in that race and it was like 5.30 at night. Like they were losing daytime. And um, the, the marshal come over to me oh, and he said, mate, look, can you get up? Like we've been told we don't want to cancel this race because if we cancel this race one more time, that's it. The race is done yep. for the day. So that, and the guy said to me, can you get up? I said, mate, I can't get up. And he said, are you sure? I'm like, I've broken my back. Yeah. And he goes, mate, you, you don't know that. Have you, have you tried to get up? I said, mate, I've broken my back. Yeah. And then the bikes were still coming around. So I'm sort of laying, not facing the track. And the bikes, I could hear them coming. And I was like, are they still going? And he's like, mate, they're still going. And he sort of took a couple of steps back because we were so close to the track. And they sort of went around and um, thankfully no one come down. Because if they did, I was, I was laying there, you know. Um, and yeah, I, I said to the guy, mate, I, I promise I've broke my back and I need to get on a stretcher and get out of here because I'm in the gravel. And anyways, they cancelled that race and uh, fortunately, and that like that did yeah, stop the day. But yeah, I got carried out on that stretcher and then taken to the Adelaide and yeah, broke my back. And yeah, so I was lucky that, um, you know, I had that awareness and 
But yeah, but because I didn't, I was no way I was getting up. And uh, yeah, that that then just left me off my feet again for like another three months, you know. So like I did 12 months to get back to somewhat form yep. and then lost it all. So that was like, that was the most. But ever since then, that was, uh, yeah, about uh, 18 months ago now. So thank God I'm sort of past that and at a bit of a peak, I believe. Like I believe I'm back to racing where I am, you know, because the injuries itself made it difficult for me to lay things on the line like the most important thing when you race is you need to be able to lay things on the yep. line you know you need to be able to be open to landing on your head you know because if you don't race with that mentality you're racing at the highest level in Australia if you've got any doubt while you ride you're never going to happen yep. and uh, yeah this year I've finally been able to turn that around and be able to you know ride and be able to attack and I believe even that championship race you know really showed that that I've finally got that back you know like I'm yep. willing to lay everything on the line again for my racing and um Mentally, that's been a, a big factor that I believe I'll be able to carry into this year and, and help. Did you know how you were saying you were in like a, a mental slump mm. the first time? Did, how long did it take to clear that? Oh, a long or time. Did you ever clear that? No, like I still get anxiety all the yeah. time. Um, and I, I never believed anxiety was a big thing. And it's funny, it's like just another thing that made me like realize a few things. Like, you know, when someone says to you that like they have a heart attack or something, like uh, a heart attack, sorry, obviously that's bad. Anxiety attack, you yeah. think like, that's, what's an anxiety attack? You know, you don't really look into it you just go oh, yeah whatever mm. but um like i didn't know what anxiety was and i had an anxiety attack and i was it was one of my first few days at home and um i just wasn't really enjoying how things were going like i was you know i can't get in the shower so i'm getting hosed outside in a wheelchair and and then i'm, I'm laying in the sun to dry because i can't you know can't dry myself properly and i'm just laying outside like it's just crap yep. and anyways I, I had an anxiety attack and uh, like a panic attack and i thought i was having a heart attack yeah and it was so bad and uh, I called the ambulance myself. It was just me and my mum and she was cooking. And I said to her, mum, I said to the, and I feel like such a clown, but I said to the guy, I'm having a heart attack. And he said, mate, you're not having a heart attack. You're having an anxiety attack. If you're having a heart attack, you wouldn't be able to speak. So it's all right. Just try and you know, bring your breath in. We're on our way. And my mum come in and she's like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm having a heart attack, yeah. you know? And um, anyways, they turned up and I was, yeah, still pretty stressed out of my mind. And uh, yeah, they gave me the green whistle. And it helped like relieve that stress. Yeah. And yeah, I was having an anxiety attack. And then wow. after that day, I was like, "That's an anxiety attack! Like, holy crap!" You know, it's I a used to. Body. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a lot to take in, and some people deal with that every day. That's uncontrollable, and like gives you like makes you realize like how crazy that sort of thing is. You know, even when people think of like headaches versus a migraine. If someone's never had a migraine, they think, "Oh, just a bad headache." Yeah. Like, nah. Like, if you're having migraines, I, I think that's it's taken over. It's <laughs> taken over your body. Yep. So, um. Yeah, I still deal with anxiety now and uh, a few things like that. When I get stressed, my body still naturally comes into like this stress mode. Yep. But like it's different. Now I know it's anxiety and I, I like I saw a psychologist and I'm really open to it. Like when I was struggling, I saw a psychologist for like 12, 15 months and that sort of thing. Because sometimes you can't, you can't talk to your girlfriend or you can't talk to your parents or something about some things. You really just, you, you can't, you know, when yep. you're like 16, 17 years of age and you can't really do much, you don't really feel open like that. So like I seeked help and uh, yeah, did all that. And um, his name was Marcel and he helped me massively to, you know, bring back my mentality and that yep. sort of things. And yeah, made me realize my anxiety and things like that, that I try and nurse now. And yeah, like I still sometimes at you know dinner a night before a race or something i start to get anxiety and, and things like that but you know i just go outside catch a breath and you know take a bit of a moment to realize what's going on and yep. and focus on my breathing then i'm back in you know what i mean and, yep. and there's probably something i'll deal with my life from these accidents like i don't believe you can have such a trauma like that and come out like gold you know you're going to have sure. some sort of repercussions and um yeah that 
that might be slightly mine, but it's you know I've found a way to deal with them, and that's the that's the best thing I can do. Get on top of them and yep. um, just keep getting on with it. Now I'm going to stuff the first word up, but it's uh, did they do like some CBT, some behavior therapies? Yeah, Co- like congress. Yeah, like yep. even when I had my accident, like I remember the lady coming <clears throat> into me yep. and. Um, Obviously, I was in an induced coma and I actually didn't hit my head in the accident, which was the weird thing. But obviously, I passed out from like my blood loss and that. And sure. even then, like it was so weird. She came in this one day, the one of the nurses, and she said to me, we've got to run through some, you know, some just some general math, you know, counting sixes and things like that. And I was like, why? Yeah. You know, I'm fine. Didn't hit my head. And, um, you know, she said, okay, well, off you go. You know, I was six. And then I was like, and I knew, like I know, and I'm good at math. Yeah. But I couldn't process the next number. And that for me was like, oh, crap, you know. And the lady sort of said, that's all right. We'll, we'll leave it till tomorrow and we'll, we'll come back to it. And simple things like that, my, my head was like stuffed. I couldn't think about things. I couldn't really, you know, I couldn't understand what was going on or just my brain wouldn't really work for a few things. So yeah. that was interesting because I had to have a few weeks of that sort of stuff and, you know, be able to retrain my brain and, even the first day I got up, my brain couldn't even tell my foot to like take a step forward. You know, like I was sort of standing there thinking, I can't move. Like it took me like a month really when I started getting up to actually start moving my feet, you know, because my brain couldn't, and it hadn't even hit my head. Yeah. So yeah, it was a strange thing. Like even just going through that, like I didn't completely understand why that happened. I still don't really understand it. I believe it's just maybe something to do with the trauma, but yeah, like I had to go through a lot of a lot of help even with that just to retreat my brain how to start operating as normal which was interesting yeah so you had to learn to walk again and everything yeah 100 percent. like first few days oh first few like first month i got up i couldn't i couldn't take steps and because i was so weak like i, I didn't have strength to even hold myself up so um yeah i remember the like i said the first day i got on crutches i got off my like i had a walker like a granny walker and <laughs> i went to the hospital yep. and she said to me you know all right we'll put you on crutches and like, I thought I was just going to walk out of there on crutches and I was excited. I was like, great. But like the second I got on crutches, I couldn't even move a foot to like take a step forward. And yep. like even that day took me back so far. I was like, oh, far out. Yep. You know, like couldn't even get out of the hospital. So straight back into my wheelchair to get back out, you know. So it was interesting how long those small things took. Um, but like, you know, it, it like was nursed and it was done what I could, you know. Like I was able to get my cycle bike inside my room and do some light things and um, yeah, it's pretty strange you know you go from riding 150k on your push bike and then your exercise is standing up 10 times you know you just yeah. you just don't realize how, how how things can take you back so far um but yeah like for where i am now i'm like i'm really fit i believe i'm probably fitter than than what i was um so yeah it's uh definitely made me understand and even give a bit of respect for other riders that go through these injuries and you know just everyday life for people that go through injuries yeah. like it's a big thing mm. yeah it's a huge part for everyone mm. like you know, take away the motorcycle part. A lot of people go through, you know, chronic chronic pain, chronic illness from injuries Correct. forever, you know. Correct. Um, this year. Yeah. Tell me about your team. What do you got on? What's the, what's the what's the actual package you got? Yeah, so um, obviously we're, uh, we've sort of re-set up this team that um, Travis has had along with Jed. They've sort of had their own little uh, bubble going on that they've been able to create with each other. And this year they've rebranded it to... Um, have the team named to 727 Motorsports. Mm-hmm. Um, Travis has got a bit of a new business coming up with opportunity that he wants to link back to the team yeah. and uh, which is going to be a cool way to promote his business when it launches. Um, and yeah, like Travis has done a really good 
good job of uh, pulling in the right guys for the team. Uh, obviously, he's pulled in Paul Free and uh, Brent Stevens, and he's got his own guys that are spinning spanners and things like that. But look, I think we're pretty realistic about that. Obviously, it's a new team, um, and from the turnaround from last December, like when we race, it's not long. Like it's a month, you know, to be setting up a team from scratch. Yep. It's not a lot of time. So, you know, the first round or something, even ordering parts at the moment, like it's just, it's like impossible. It's like going down and getting food from the shops at the moment. You just can't. That's right. So it's difficult to get our hands on parts and that sort of thing. So like it could be a bit of a slow start for the first couple of months with even just some things we're trying to get our hands on. Yep. Um, But by all means, like, you know, that one thing in the subbites, like I mentioned, you need the right guys around you. And Travis has done a good job to to get the good good guys around him. And um, yeah, like... Obviously, Jed's going to be my teammate this year. I don't know Jed that well. Um, like I mentioned before, I sort of kind of stick to myself at the track and say hello to everyone. But Jed's, Jed's a really nice guy and I've had a couple of conversations with him. And yeah, we, we're really excited to kick off the year. And I'm very appreciative that this team has given me this opportunity. And I just hope at some point this year, I can sort of be able to give that back with my results. That's sort of where I am, yeah. For sure. And uh, and obviously on... You know, a competitive bike. Yamaha is going to be good. John Prellies. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we've we've got a competitive bike as well this year, and that's a great thing to go into the year knowing the bike's ready. And if your results aren't there, then you know that it's you know to come from you, and you can start to tick away because it's one thing is very difficult to be able to accept that you're doing as good as your package can do. Yeah. And I believe that a lot of guys have been like that the last couple of years, you know. And I believe that that would be very hard, you know, like turning up and knowing that your bike's a fifth place bike, but you're putting in twenty hours a week training, you yep. know, like. So this year I'm really lucky that I don't have that standing yep. there. Uh, you know, I'll put in my training, I go to the track, and if I don't win races, it's because of me. So yep. that's that's a that's a great thing to have, I believe. And yeah, I, at some point this year, like I mentioned, I would like to be yeah definitely on the podiums. But I, I relate my things back to even you know the way that Ollie went with his superbike race. You know, like he's yep. won a race halfway through the season. Um, so you know. I, I believe there's there's no reason why I can't do what he's done and uh, whether it takes me a different path of, to begin with or whatnot, like yeah. I still hope I can be there at some point. That's that's a goal. Awesome. With with the package that you've got, like we're talking about eight rounds plus there's some test days and practice yep. days in the middle. It's, it's a pretty hectic year really. Yep. Will you be able to do any club stuff like you've done in the past? I don't know. I, I really don't. like. Very um, hard to fit that in. It is It is actually very hard. And like I said, the last two years we've raced four rounds. Yeah. So you can juggle in these extra days. But sometimes riding the bike all the time isn't always the best option because sometimes riding these bikes that require such fine tuning, it's easy to get caught up in, in you know trying to change things. and yep. trying. So if you're rolling out too much, trying to look into things, it makes it quite difficult. And that's why it's good to ride our 400s and things like that. We don't have to think about that. Um, so, look, I think with the eight rounds and the testings at the track is going to be more than enough riding. Yep. And uh, whether we have some outings at some club levels, if we need to maybe test some things or something like that, then, yeah, we might. But, like, I've got to just, you know, juggle up these rounds with my work and this sort of thing. And, um, yeah, can, going back to club level stuff, I, I just don't know. I don't, I don't see it being really easy no. to, to be able to make them and, and do everything else. Like I believe it's going to be a very full-on year as it is. Yep, for sure. And that, that's what I thought too. By the time, like when you look at the calendar, mm. I'm like, man, that's a that's a pretty hectic uh, hectic schedule. It's so, full on, um, especially coming off having two rounds per year. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it's everyone way rolling that back up is a, it's a big thing. Mm. So, mate, I appreciate everything you're doing. You're yeah. absolutely nailing it. I, I've it's been a cool journey to sort of sit back and see see where you've come from and see you come through the ranks yep. and um, to win the championships reward from being a kid to now. So mm. well done on that. And, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, the hardest thing with that is is sort of when you when you when you come through is is like doubting yourself. Like that was yeah. the main thing. I was so fortunate to be able to pull this off because even the first couple of years, obviously I was very I was very fast when I was young, and yeah. um, I believe I was the fastest in Australia for a couple of years. And I I don't I don't uh, I don't think that's just my opinion. I, I believe that's true. Yeah. You know, like I did three rounds here while I was racing in Asia, and I think I won like eleven out of the twelve races. You know, like I won a lot and. Um, I think the hardest thing was was like even coming back was like, geez, am I actually going to get back to where I was? Mm. Because the injuries can take that away from you. For sure. Um, and there are some people that, that don't get back to where they were. And even, you know, try and tell sponsors, market, like, I'll get there, just give me some time. Yeah. Not everyone has time on their side. So, you know, this year I'm really glad to, you know, show that like me as a, as a rider, like Brock Pearson of, of where I was, I'm very uh, excited and... Um, glad that i can show that you know i'm here again so that's that's been that this year has been special for me to to be able to you know bring that back and not have my doubts so this year i don't have any any doubts at all i know where i'm at i know i'm new and uh i know i have a lot to learn but that's why i sort of have a bit of a, a realistic idea of you know being able to win races this year at some point so it takes pressure off a bit too it does you know re- realistically like you can come in as a you're like a learner mm. you know you can come in and you're a competitive person, yes. But the pressure's not on you as much to go and no. win the Australian Superbike Gym. Be no. awesome, don't get me wrong. But no. the pressure's off a bit, isn't it? Yeah, I got no pressure at all from that sort of thing. You know, like I said, my goal this year, even if I was, you know, all over the place with my results or struggled at one track or another, what whatever it is, you know, if I do my best and if I can win a race anywhere at some point this year, <laughs> that's job done. It's going to be different having Dad away. Mm. You know, like not being obviously that you've got a team now yeah. around, so be different for him, I reckon. Yeah, oh, hundred percent. And uh, I believe he'll uh, probably struggle a little bit to stand back. And I think yeah. even just because of our injury, like my injuries that I picked up, he became very. Um, I don't know the word for it, but he became very attached to making sure everything was right for me, so that it was up to me on the track. And and you know, I believe you know even just making sure that everything's right on the bike for me to roll out because he's also has a little bit of mental trauma from my accidents and that sort of thing. And um, you know, like while I was uh, recovering and even when I was out of the school with my injuries, I couldn't work. You know, and you know, you can't do much with a couple of broken backs. You have to have a very specific job to handle the load and. When I left school, like I was working with dad because that was just what worked. I couldn't work every day. Um, so we had like a very like full-on bond, you know what I mean? Like every day at work and every day in, like night in sheds and away yep. riding and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, this has been like 15 years of this this journey that he's drove me everywhere. So, yep. um, yeah, it'll be interesting. But like I'm, ex- I'm, I'm really like glad about that, you know, like that's for them is their way to be able to look back at it and at least know that they've done what they can. Yeah. And uh, like it's up to me now and it's up to other people around me to take me further. And, uh, you know, like my dad's done amazing to prepare these motorbikes and, um, you know, give me – like he's a locksmith, you know. Like he's not yeah. a bike mechanic. He's um doesn't own a dyno or operate these stores and stuff like that. You know, he's a locksmith. And um, to prepare the bikes that he has and, and bring them out every year in the condition they are and, and have such fast bikes, he's done awesome. So, yeah, this year is, is going to be – I hope it's nice for him to be able to relieve that stress knowing that he doesn't have to put in so much yep. and uh, can uh, yeah be able to watch with my mum and, and and maybe just be able to enjoy watching it rather than stressing if, you know, he'd done that wheel up tight because he just <laughs> double thinks everything, you know what I mean? Oh, and rightly so. Like it, it, it's a big part of mm. 
mate, it's the biggest part. You're the writer, but it's the other biggest part to it, isn't it? You know? Yeah. It's, it's still a very, team sport. It's very important. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And uh, I've just been very lucky that I've had a good bunch of guys around me that I've been able to have full trust in. And that's why even moving into this year, like with Freebie and Brent and the guys I have around me, like I have full confidence in these guys. You know, like we've mentioned with Brent and uh, Freebie, yeah. they're obviously very knowledgeable guys. Brent's and, and Brent and Freebie are, you know, very nice people. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, working with people that you have trust in is a big thing for racing. So I'm, I'm glad they're in my corner. Very calming too. You've got two guys that are very, you know, very calming people to have around pit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very knowledgeable, but the same deal, very calming, which is a nice thing to have. Yeah, and I believe that's what you need. Like in your team, like you need to have like cool and collective guys mm. working with you. And like I even picked like, you know, like uh, Bayless Troy done that really well with Ollie by working with, uh, obviously Ben overlooks the team yep. and runs the show. But like, you know, Troy had Brian and uh, yeah, Brian. Brian, Brian and Byron. Yep. And both of those guys, Brian was spinning uh, spanners. Byron was sort of a little bit of a crew chief for Ollie, I think, in a way with the suspension and just being there as you know someone to talk to. Yep. And both those guys are so level-headed, you know what I mean? And when I looked at that from the outside, that was what I believe was a big thing for Ollie, even jumping on the bike and going fast because, you know, they had this, you know, call and collective manner that, you know, when he got on the bike, it was up to him and, and that's what's important. And this year we've been able to have something, you know, that works in like that. So I believe that's super important because if you're a bit rad, Radical, you know, guys are a little bit, you know, unsure, and then they make the rider unsure. It's a, it's an easy thing to get caught up in, yep. and you can't because when you jump on that bike, you can't really worry about anything except yep. for riding. That's right. You lose your head. Like if you get people just uh, erratic around you, just doesn't. It, it never works. And you see the ones that have it. You're mm. like, oh, really? You're like, yeah, just bring it back a step. And yeah, you need yeah, to because if you even have that, then you lose the enjoyment of the racing, and yep. you just yeah it's one thing and that's like what i said when i come back from my accidents i thought too much into things you know yeah. just and that just happens with 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 injuries and things but when i when i was in that that mode well it wasn't a good mode you know like i struggled to you know like i actually won i did come runner up in that championship that year but that was just because i was consistently there you know i was never there like yeah. i was just there or thereabouts and uh, managed to make a good year but you know, I never picked up a race win that year and never really got that close. And it was just because of that same situation, you know, thought into too many things and got caught up yep. in it instead of just focusing on riding. So, yeah, it's an important thing to be able to make sure that you realise it's sometimes you just got to ride the bike, enjoy it, and then you get your, your bit of kick out of it when you do well. Because there's two things, isn't there? There's a fast rider and then there's blistering pace. Mm. At that time, you're a fast rider. Exactly. But now, like you, you look at uh, that last round we did at Morgan Park mm. on your six when you were on the six hundred yep. the last last time yep. we were out there. That's blistering pace. Yeah, correct. You know, that's you've got everything back. Yes. Um, that's a different thing to being fast, isn't it? Exactly, and that's why I said I was never there, but mm. I was there or thereabouts. Yes. You know, yep. and this year I was there. You know, I was it, it was good. You know, like I was always turning up to the track there or thereabouts and looking at who was fastest and how far I was off. Yeah. This year, I like never looked at the times. Like I was that guy that was turning up and yep. being fastest, and that's a really important thing to even be able to have mentally. Because like, if you really have that, then if you know you're like the threat for everyone else, yep. brings you right up as well as a rider. You know what I mean? Yep. You sort of have that confidence, and you sort of have that bit of like, like you say, mongrel in you. Mm. And if you have that in you, it's, yeah, it's you're on for a win. That's what Tapara said. Yeah, it had a bit of fear, fear for others because he he came out with some. It was fast everywhere, mm. you know. Um, is he riding this year? Don't know. No. I, I don't know. Um, I, I believe he will be, but I don't know what he's doing. No. Nah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. But um, 
I would say he would probably be either riding in Europe on a 600 or here on a Subway. So I'm, I'm not sure, but I guess time will tell with that too. Yeah, for sure. We've got, a, we've got an exciting few months coming mm. up. So, mate, I won't keep you much more for today. Yeah. That's been awesome. Um, sitting down with you, like to talk about obviously the journey to, to here and uh, yeah. What a, what a ride it's been, eh? Yeah, it's been awesome and I uh, hope maybe in a few months I can sit back down here and explain a race win or something like that. That'll be cool. I'd love that, mate. And shout out to some of the people that have been behind you too because that to get to this point, you don't do it yourself. Who's been with, with you? Yeah, to be honest, like it's it's difficult to... to to pencil in an actual supporter because that once you sort of get to like my level and you're sort of chasing support you like I said you start to build a lot of friendship with everyone that starts to help and uh, obviously my main people have been my parents and um, yeah financially they have done the most and sacrificed the most to be where I am Um, but yeah like I've had people on board um, in terms of sponsors Uh, I got a friend Josh Oliver from a finance company up in Cairns he's a broker and like even a few others. I got uh, Mike from World Gym and uh, a cafe here on the Gold Coast, and actually one of my mechanics' bosses. He owns an engineering company, Emory Engineering. But all these sort of people that that have helped, like they're all my, they're all my friends. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's and I, I think it's very special to be able to have that. You know, be able to call them and, and discuss the weekends and and that sort of thing. But in terms of you know pensioning one person or something like that obviously there's my parents and then there's everyone else that has that has helped make it somewhat achievable so look i am always trying to get support and um like this year i was obviously able to get fireball on board and that was a pretty cool sponsor um even you know media wise you know people look at it and think oh that's a cool thing and it's funny because you know it's just a bit of alcohol and that sort of thing and i obviously don't drink but um (laughs) you know so it makes it very hard to market uh fireball but you know they obviously don't need to, they, they don't struggle with marketing because everyone knows Fireball. So, yeah, it was uh, it was cool to pick them up this year and hopefully I can carry a few more into this year. And obviously I'm riding under another team, so I'll have to work in with the team and, yep. yeah, try and do what I can to sort of keep keep giving back. And uh, I know that the team's actually um, done some deals as well with Link this year as well to bring to the team, which is really cool because Link have always supported me. Yep. The, the last few years and they were one person that you know one company that put in a fair bit and had to keep trusting my I will be there just you know yep. give me another year or something like that so uh, yeah like my, Dom from Lynx one of my good mates and that sort of thing and I love going there and catching up with him and uh, obviously they helped me out with my helmets and boots and a lot of product from there so yeah all these sort of people help the world go around for us races and without them we'd be pretty buggered so yeah for it's sure. good love your TCX boots I do love my TCX boots. They are great boots. So I, I just at uh, the end of twenty one um, RT. Yes. That's what they call them. They say so I come from another brand. Yep. Uh, and got uh, bought a set of TCX RTs. Yeah. Right, they are so good. They are so awesome boots, yeah. yeah. Good, like nice and strict, but um, really nice flexibility for everything, you know? Yeah, they are. But like, I think the good thing about them is they actually look like they have good support too. Like, yes. you know, a lot of boots nowadays so much leather and like not much plastic or not much support yep. and like and like the boots will like fold in half you yeah, can, you can like, actually cramp them you back. can cramp yep. them and like mm. you wonder like if your foot's in there yep you know like you look at that and uh, obviously t-sex has a good a good amount of support and the boot looks like it offers good support so yeah i'm a strong believer in a good amount of kit and yep. uh something that that holds you up because obviously with um with crashes you got to be able to have trust in the product so yeah yeah, very lucky to be supported by products that are that are so good, and um, yeah, definitely gives us that extra t- trust when we're racing. If we're going to land on our head, <laughs> oh well, at least we're protected with the right things. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, mate, I'll leave you to your day. 
I'll be out at the 20th. Uh, I'm doing some work yep. out there by the looks of things as well. So awesome. we'll, um, we'll catch you around. Okay. Thanks great. for everything. Thank you. That's all we have time for on today's show. If you get the chance, head over to YouTube and hit subscribe on the Talk and Chatter page. Also, head over to iTunes and give us a star rating and a review there. It all helps to get the podcast out there. A big thank you goes to everyone that's been doing this already, and uh, we'll be back with another show soon.